Lord God, I thank you for these words that have so much deep meaning. I'm eternally bound in your eternal decree to send your son in time and on time in the fullness of time. To be born is a man yet fully God. Truly God, truly man and therefore you had to be born of a virgin so as to not to carry the tainted blood of the first Adam. And yet, as we are all in the first Adam, subject to death, consequence of sin is death. We all will die. We know that you came as the second Adam, the last Adam, the eternal one, to give yourself to death, to grant us eternal life. Help us to see that this evening as we take a brief look at the overarching theme of redemptive history for the glory of your name. Amen. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. You know, one of the most interesting themes in all of Scripture is the concept of how God, out of darkness, does great things. Some of his greatest acts arise out of darkness. Creation itself, we read, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And darkness covered the face of the deep. God spoke and there was. From that darkness emerges the world upon which we live, breathe, and have our being. And originally, before the fall of the first man, this world was much more beautiful and stunning than what we even presently live upon. Now, after the fall of mankind... And even before the man and the woman were banished from the Garden of Eden, comes a statement from God himself, a statement of damnation upon the tempter, upon the evil one, upon Satan himself. The Lord said this, I will put enmity between you and the woman between your seed and her seed, before, between your offspring and her offspring, that is, I will place conflict, I will place war, that is between her seed and your seed. Two streams of humanity throughout history, there are only two, only two, those who entrust themselves to the one true God and those who reject him as the one true God. This promised seed, God said, will bruise your head. He will crush your head, and in the process, his heel will be bruised. Another one, in other words, there's one coming through the seed of this woman who's the redeemer. If everything that's been lost in this, the first Adam, he will redeem everything back. 
and he will be bruised in the process. That's the first gospel presentation in all of the Bible immediately upon the fall, and that Satan's head will be crushed when he's crucified. He will be bruised. Now, along with that curse of the serpent came a curse of the earth, for by the sweat of the brow of man he will labor and toil. He cursed the ground. And because of that curse, um, we understand it. We, we understand where, where the law of entropy came from. That everything is subject to decay, to disorder. Because of the curse of God on the earth that he created. But out of that curse of darkness comes an announcement of good news. The word gospel means good news, by the way. And that is, he would bring into the fullness of time this redeemer. That is, out of the darkness of this curse will come light. Out of the darkness of the curse of God on this world will come light. And through the corridors of time, God will send his son, born of a woman, from the seed of the first woman. He will come, the light of the world, the channel of salvation, the certainty of salvation. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Darkness, light, creation. Darkness, curse, the promise of light, gospel. The theme continues throughout redemptive history. Um, God brings darkness upon the land of Egypt. One of his ten side judgments upon Pharaoh and his empire, there was darkness for three days, so thick that the Egyptians could not see one another. Yet at that moment, at that time, in a land near to Egypt, a place called Goshen, where God's people dwelt, guess what he provided? Light. Out of darkness, light. And then the final plague, in the cover of night, brought about by God's final plague upon Egypt, came death. Death of the firstborn. Of every household throughout Egypt that did not have blood of an innocent lamb painted on the door frames. God sent the angel of judgment throughout Egypt and he passed over those homes covered by blood. Thus, God called Israel to celebrate that night the feast of the Passover. God passes over those who are covered by blood, foreshadowing the blood of Christ that covers sinners like us, if you believe. Out of darkness, light. God then brings his people out of Egypt. He brings them out of bondage, out of slavery, out of darkness, into the wilderness, and he leads them by way of a pillar of light. The Shekinah, glory of God. Out of Egypt, God says, I have called my son. Once Jesus is born, and Herod will want to slaughter all children, all male children, two years old and under, in the area of Bethlehem, because it was a threat to his throne, for there has been born a king 
in Bethlehem. He has him slaughtered. God sends an angel to tell Joseph to lead Mary and Jesus down to guess where? Egypt. When Herod dies, he sends the angel again and he calls him back. And that is where God says, out of Egypt I have called my son. Israel pointed forward and foreshadowed the true son of God. Jesus, the light of the world. Out of darkness, light. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Then during Israel's journey through the wilderness, towards the promised land, out of the evil darkness of one by the name of Balak, the man who summons a prophet Balaam to pronounce a curse on Israel, instead, the Holy Spirit moves upon Balaam, and by the Spirit of God, he prophesies of the promised seed, the promised son of God, who would be born of a virgin. And he said this in Numbers 24, 17, 1,500 years before Jesus came. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Centuries later came the word of God to the prophet Isaiah, and he said this, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. The promise that through the nation of Israel would come the light, and that light would reach the nations, the world. And the light shines tonight. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father, Jesus said, except through me. Truth is not relative. Truth is absolute. This virgin bore a son, and he bore God's wrath on the cross to set people free, to lift the veil and give them light to see. Eyes of faith. And then in the fullness of time, when the most precious thing in God's eyes, the most significant thing in the entire universe, God placed in the womb of this woman, the Son of God. The safest place in the world for incarnate God, the second person of the Trinity, clothed in flesh, in darkness, awaiting the day he would be born into this world. And from out of darkness of the womb of this woman emerges the light of the world. And then in the darkness of night, we read in Matthew's account, chapter 2, Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who's been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, 
God with us. That baby grew up. He commenced his public ministry. And during that ministry, Jesus, as he passed by one day, saw a man bound in darkness. A man blind from birth, his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he would be born blind. That was the common thought of the day. Any type of ailment or blindness, someone who was born crippled and so on, it was just assumed by the people that either he sinned or his family sinned and he was born in this condition. And Jesus says, no. It was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day, said Jesus. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. But the darkness of men's hearts tried to extinguish that light. He was crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. But never forget, Jesus said what? No man takes my life. I have the power to lay my life down, and I have the power to take it up again. He was delivered up according to the definite preordained plan of Almighty God, says the scripture. And then on the cross, about the sixth hour, darkness covered the whole land until the ninth hour. As the sun's light had failed that day, Christ, out of this darkness, cries out, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. His dead body was taken off the cross, placed in a tomb of darkness, the light of the world placed in a tomb of darkness. And it is out of that darkness that emerges the risen victorious Lord of glory, the Lord of heaven and earth. This one, the virgin who shall conceive a child, had a son. This one broke free from the reins of death. He burst forth as light. The son of God, in the womb, the Son of God, on the cross, the Son of God, in a tomb, all emerging out of darkness to bring life, light, and redemption. After darkness, light. This is what Christmas is about. Never forget it. Jesus said this. The scripture said this in John 1. Although men and women love darkness and run from God, they run from the light, they love darkness rather than the light, darkness will not ever overcome the light. Ever. Out of your darkness, God has brought you into the light. Out of my darkness, he's granted me light. He's granted me life. And I'm speaking to Christians. Those who by faith have entrusted themselves to this, this one, the light of the world. Now Jesus went on to say something one day. Dark. Very dark. 
very harsh. And he spoke about all those who will reject his gospel invitation, his invitation to come to the great marriage supper of the Lamb, that an invitation goes out because a king is going to have a great supper, a great meal, a great feast, and it's on behalf of his son. And the invitation goes out. But to get into the wedding, according to Jesus, in Matthew 22, you must have the proper apparel. All that to say... No one gets into heaven based on their own righteousness. You need a righteousness that is foreign to you and is the righteousness of Jesus Christ in your place. He provides the robes to get into the great feast. And he went on to say this to those who reject the glorious invitation of this meal. Jesus said this, bind him hand and foot and cast him into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Many are called to this great supper, this great feast, but few are chosen. Hey, question, why such severe language? Why such a warning from our Lord, those who refuse the wedding feast invitation, those who refuse the righteousness of the king? Well, because to dare think you're good enough to enter into God's presence on your own righteousness is the epitome of self-righteousness. To dare say, I'm a good person, I'm good enough, is to reject the invitation. Come unto me, he said, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. He provides the robes to get in. Why? Why such severe language? Because remember, Jesus' hands and feet were bound as he was cast upon the cross into outer darkness. His hands and feet were bound. He underwent the pains of judgment in hell so that all those who entrust themselves to him will never see outer darkness, but only his glorious light. That's why the warning was so severe, because that's exactly what Jesus took as the innocent one, the perfectly, truly righteous one. You'll never taste that darkness if you're in Christ. That is what Christmas is about. See, baby Jesus in a manger, as I say, Every year, I said it Sunday, the reason unbelievers love the sloppy sentiment of a mere baby in a manger is because that baby doesn't speak. When he grows up, he speaks and he declares, I'm the only way to the Father and I've come to lay my life down and trust yourself to me and you'll be saved and you'll share with me in glory. That's the gospel. In this present age, Christian, dear Christian friend, I know that some of you, especially around Christmas, feel as though you're in darkness because of the suffering of your trials and your tribulations and so on. But you're not alone. There's other brothers and sisters who feel the same way. And as a matter of fact, the psalmists, many of the psalmists felt that way. They cried out as though they were in darkness and their hopeful expectation was that they would emerge out of that season of darkness as the Lord promises. But more than that, he graciously brings us out of darkness ultimately. And with regard to the glory of God, we're told that the light of heaven 
that there is no sun there, there is no moon there, that the light in heaven and the light in the new heaven and the new earth is the glory of God himself. He is the light. The scripture says, no longer will you have the sun for light by day, nor for brightness will the moon give you light, but you will have the Lord for an everlasting light and your God for your glory. Revelation 21, the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and its lamp is the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundation of the earth. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. And in Christ, you will forever be with him, but only in Christ. So all that to say, Christmas, as cuddly as it is, is not merely cuddly. Christmas is crucial. And when, when I say crucial, I mean it in the original sense of that word, crucial, which has to do with the cross. That term, that word, is derived from the Latin word for cross. This is the crux of the matter. Jesus came to this earth, was laid in an animal's feeding trough, born in humility. He came out of glory to do what you can't do, and that's perfectly obey God the Father. And then he laid down his life in the place for all who have ever or will ever believe. And in return, you get his righteousness placed upon your account forever. That is Christmas. I am the light of the world, said Jesus. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Merry Christmas. Do you believe? Do you believe? If you're here tonight, I plead with you. I beg you. Don't let this message slip through your ears. By the grace of God, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Repent and believe, and you shall be saved. Father, we thank you for the gift of Christmas, that Christ was born to die, prophesied hundreds of years, thousands of years before he came, and he came and did what you promised he would do. He defeated death. He burst forth from the grave, for he is the everlasting light, the light of the world. In him, we praise you, we thank you, and we ask you that you would cause those who don't believe to believe and sanctify the saints with gospel truth this Christmas Eve evening for the glory of your name, the name above all names, Jesus, who is the Christ, Son of the living God. Amen.